welcome. Welcome back to 11-Minute Podcast from the Pub Scientifique. Um, my name is Bart van Buchem. I'm your host today. I'm a Spain specialist physiotherapist. And I'm based in the Netherlands, close to Amsterdam. And with me today across the oceans uh, is Sarup Sharma. Um, our, I think you might have noticed him on, on some of the socials and his amazing work uh, where we're trying to... Uh, make a deep dive in that and his um, his backgrounds. Um, Sarab is originally from Nepal, um, but in the meanwhile, um, he's been uh, working at the moment as a postdoc research fellow at the University of New South Wales, which is in Sydney, um, and uh, live in Sydney for a bit already. Is it right, Sarab? You, you're there for a. <laughs> Yeah, about seven months now. Seven months now, yeah. Before, it was like, I think it was New Zealand. Yeah, the... yeah it was New Zealand for my PhD, so that, that was two and a half years, I think. Wow, yeah. Uh, so I think that must be an interesting journey. We might take on that um, a bit here and there. Uh, Surab is also going to present a, a homebrew, like a full two hour with Surab on this topic. And I believe this is going to be really exciting to have you there. Um, and um, we're looking forward. It will be 2023. So uh, once we are uh, publishing this podcast, um, probably we'll be a bit ahead. Um, but we're looking, it's just a warm up, Surab. <laughs> Um, so, uh, just to check, um, Saurabh is also a physiotherapist, right? So you trained as yes. a physiotherapist by background, yes. um, but now full-time research, if I'm right. Yeah. So, um, I'm just going to start the 11 minutes because that's what we do here, um, to make sure we pick up the highlights. There we go. All right, Saurabh, um, I'm pretty, uh, Stoked to have you, and 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 we talked about what kind of um, um, what what kind of um, well, let's say subject you want to pick, and we came across cultural contributions in treating with um, people with chronic pain and diversity, all the way to the um, all the way to the the clinic and how to deal with it, because you have some experience your own uh, as a physiotherapist. So what, what is your goal? What, what, what can we expect? So what are the, what is the things we take notice of? Yeah, thanks, Bud, first of all, for inviting and inviting for this short podcast and then for labor for next year. So it's an honor and pleasure. So as you have already said that I'm from Nepal and um, have uh, gained my PhD degree uh, in New Zealand and I'm researching in Australia, so I have moved around quite a bit um, as a clinician and researcher. And although I'm from Nepal, I did my degree from India. So I have uh, that clinical and um, um, yeah, cultural knowledge from India as well. So all our physiotherapy degree um, that's in India and Nepal are in English, and all the resources that we follow are uh, published in English, so all English textbook and uh, research that's developed uh, or uh, conducted in Western countries. And when implementing all of that in Nepal and India, it was quite hard because um, we, in research, we tend to speak to that as a general uh, generalization of research or external validity. So what research is done in Western world uh, does not uh, 
translate well in our culture. And it's really hard as clinician to use that knowledge uh, to treat people from a diverse cultural background. And I've uh, been in discussion with several uh, clinicians from all over the globe and uh, many of um, uh, them who are white uh, uh, physiotherapists or doctors, they tend to uh, find it intimidating to treat people from different cultural background, especially because of uh, the difference in culture. Uh, what we know from research is that culture plays a huge role uh, in overall pain. So that's in pain assessment and management as well. So different uh, people from different cultural background report pain differently. Um, and in some culture, like uh, in Nepalese culture, Chinese and some uh, African culture as well, uh, people cannot rate their pain on a zero to 10 scale, which is quite hard. And whenever you ask uh, someone from different cultural background to rate their pain on a scale of zero to 10, uh, they cannot rate one number. And uh, instead they'll ask you to pick your own number as a clinician for them. Or sometimes they respond using words or, uh, words or other expressions. And sometimes they pick number that's uh, um, out of the scale, like 14 or 15. And uh, some people in Western culture also do that. So um, that cultural uh, role in pain assessment is quite big. Uh, and uh, it's really hard uh, to assess um, people with pain validly using different scales that we use in different uh, um, culture, cultures. So that's one thing. And the other thing is that uh, interventions that are developed uh, for Western cultures may not work in Eastern cultures or other uh, cultural background, especially because um, culture influences people's uh, beliefs and how they cope with their pain and even pain catastrophizing or how they think about their pain and how much they ruminate about their pain. Uh, so uh, based on that, um, an intervention that may work in the Western culture uh, may not work uh, in uh, Eastern culture, for example. Uh, especially it is true for interventions that are um, directed towards a person's psychology and uh, social aspect, because these are the key and integral components of um, people's culture, which is a big domain, uh, which tends to comprise of various factors or uh, uh, domains, uh, which may include things like people's um, uh, country of birth or origin or where they uh, come from, their language, their, uh, their spiritual beliefs, religious beliefs, and other uh, beliefs and values um, that they derive from their upbringing in their own country. So culture is quite complex and all of the elements of culture uh, tend to contribute to pain. And other things, um, very simple as gender uh, is also part of the broader culture and even age groups of uh, people who belong to younger uh, age group culture have different perceptions and beliefs about uh, their pain. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. Is, is it all right to, to um, move in a bit in expression? Because I think that's a nice topic which you can sort of trying to cover now. So you, you, you ticked on the subject. So expression, the way people are not able to um, rate the pain 
from a zero to 10 skill. Um, you already said like, like Nepalese, Indian and Chinese might be having trouble with doing that. So what, what is in your experience, what is the, what is, because there is expression, but how did you manage to validate or uh, not from a research point of view, but as a clinician as well to, to get uh, a better understanding of what they feeling. Yeah. But, so but, like the numerical rating scale is quite recommended. So it is globally recommended and it, it's also recommended for clinical trial and is recommended by core outcome sets for chronic pain and back pain and all uh, like osteoarthritis and everything. So it's quite recommended. And uh, as a clinician, I thought I was obliged to use a numerical rating scale, but it did not work for our culture. So what we did instead was evaluated uh, empirically uh, using um, a, a robust study design. So what we did uh, in our study was uh, that we compared four different scales that people uh, that are generally used in clinical practice. So one was faces rating scale that has like five faces uh, that is IASP uh, or International Association for Study of Pain derived uh, scale. Um, and the other one is verbal rating scale, which is which has words that describe pain intensities, which can be no pain, mild pain, moderate pain, severe pain, and very severe pain. And visual analog scale, so which is a scale from uh, like 10 uh, centimeter scale, which has values from zero to 100. And um, participant or patient has to draw a line in one number and we measure the distance and numerical rating scale. So we compared these four scales and we found that numerical rating scales had the most number of errors and was the least preferred in our culture. And faces rating scale, which has faces, was the most preferred and with the least error. And verbal rating scale was second one, that, that is the most uh, second most preferred uh, scale. So in our research and clinical practice, we now use uh, verbal rating scale, um, which has, like I said earlier, words. So with that, I think it is easier to use in uh, telehealth as well, and also to follow up uh, via uh, telephone um, uh, follow-up, which cannot be done uh, by using faces rating scale. So I think faces rating scale and uh, verbal rating scales are quite uh, good options or alternatives for uh, people with a diverse cultural background for Chinese, for Nepalese, for yeah. Indians, and even for yeah. African cultures. Would So from my, my limited exp uh, experience though, with different cultures, although we have in the Netherlands, we do have a wide range, but the clinic where I work seems to be very much Western cultural dominating. Yeah. Visitors. So uh, what I, I find challenging is that the, the body language. So um, usually you, you, the expression seems to be much more, if, if it's Nepalese and Chinese, I think they can relate to that. Well, not too many Nepalese because we don't see many Nepalese in the Netherlands though, but, but a lot of Chinese though, um, where, where, where the expression of the whole behavior and it starts in the waiting room. So your rating skill already started to create some idea of, well, so how do you see this? What is your, from your experience, how that relates to in the end to fitting this in 
a rating skill, whether it's facing faces recognition or yeah. it's um, the whole body language, which is more than just that. Yeah, but I think that's a really good question. And it also applies for different, uh, not just uh, culturally and linguistically diverse people, but for all uh, backgrounds. So while considering um, only scales, I think we should believe our patients and um, and uh, take their number or a selection of uh, the pain intensity based on the scale that we get. But again, as you say, we have to consider other things such as their posture and um, facial expression if they are any if they are expressing a lot of pain through their face. Uh, facial expression, but not rating as much pain on their scale. Uh, that is to do also with uh, cultural background. For example, some cultures um, don't like um, to rate their pain higher because they think pain is normal and uh, that's part of their time is up. Yeah, we can move yeah. on for a bit. <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, yeah, they don't tend to rate uh, pain high because they think pain is normal and they can endure pain. So uh, they will only go to clinician when they have severe pain. And even, uh, uh, even if they have so much pain, they would rate pain quite lower on a zero to 10 scale. Um, I think that's a, a cultural uh, difference for some particular group of uh, people from different uh, cultural background. So that's always uh, there, but again, uh, that should be considered uh, during um, clinical management of pain as well, uh, looking at their um, uh, facial expression and how much they rate the pain on a scale. And also sometimes it's helpful to incorporate family members in pain management for many Eastern cultures, especially, uh, specifically, and probably for African culture as well. Uh, family uh, plays a quite big role um, in healthcare. So yeah. if someone is sick, their family members uh, sometimes determine what uh, treatment should be given. And they are the ones to deal with uh, doctors, not uh, those who are sick. So most of the time, it tends to be a father or grandfather who is the head of the family who needs uh, all the education that will ultimately be delivered uh, to a patient who is in pain. So wow. yeah, incorporating yeah. family members uh, in the- it's a, bit, it's a bit like a translator then, a translator role, like an official translator role. Yeah, I see the yeah. challenge there. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, well, so the, the 11 minutes is done, but uh, we ticked on a few nice things about expression that you already start ticking on, on management. And we also brought up assessment, which we will move on from here. So the extended version will be available at uh, lapupscientific.com. And I will really warmly recommend everyone just to join Lapup Homebrew Live with Syrup um, because we can, yeah, we can further trying to, to dig in this, this, this very interesting topic. It's very clinical relevant um, and challenging for the most, just like you said, we find even a bit intimidating. And I, 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 that really landed with me. It's like, it's intimidating in a way. Um, and uh, it should be challenging, I guess, uh, because I think that's a more positive framing than intimidating. That was, yeah, but I, I think intimidating is the right term for many. So if it is yeah. intimidating, uh, it is. 
yeah, it has to be called intimidating. And of course, um, yeah, yeah. But it, I think it, it says all, right? It says all because intimidating yeah. feels really like, oh my God, I'm, I, <laughs> I feel intimidated is different than I feel challenged because if you're challenged, yeah. I feel like I can win. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. my bias. But if you're intimidated, I'm not sure whether my behavior would be like, like active coping strategies as yeah. a clinician. Yeah. But I think with some training and um, practice, I think it'll get better. That's right. That's yeah. the, that's the, the phrase. All right. So for the listeners on the podcast, thank you for listening. Uh, we will extend right now. Thank you again. And uh, thank you, Sarah, for this first 11 minutes. And um, we hope to see you next time.